Well, the virus has now killed more than 100 people in China, and new cases have been confirmed around the world. So you don't want to frighten the American public. France and South Korea have also got evacuation plans. But you need to prepare for and assume. Strongly warning Americans to avoid all non-essential travel to China. That this is going to be a real serious problem. France, Australia, Canada, the US, Singapore, Cambodia, Vietnam, the list goes on. Health officials are investigating more than 100 possible cases in the US. Germany, a man has uh, contracted the virus. The epidemic is a demon and we cannot let this demon hide. Japan, where a bus driver uh, contracted the virus. Coronavirus has killed more than 100 people there and infected more than 4,500. We have to prepare for the worst, always, because if you don't and the worst happens. War Room Pandemic. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Welcome back to uh, War Room Pandemic. Uh, we've got the uh, Biden crime, uh, family, family crime syndicate. We're going through the details. We're showing you the receipts, basically the wire transfers, the signed joint venture agreements. We're putting it up all online. We've got much more of that to come. Noah Benjamin, Jack Maxey, grinding in the war room. We're going to get to all that. Uh, we now have, um, I, I think he's kind of the, you got the Oracle Deplorables, which is John Fredericks on the John Fredericks Radio Network. We're also on Dish Channel 219 and Comcast Channel 113 through um, Real America's Voice, the great network over there with John Solomon and the team. And Chris Ruddy's Newsmax TV, and of course G News GTV work throughout the world in Mandarin. Uh, and it, we want to thank the G News and GTV guys. You've given us access to a massive global audience. And we saw that yesterday in the call-in. The call-in show, we're taking calls from Ireland, the Czech Republic, all over. Just incredible. I, I think we took two calls within a 100-mile radius of Washington, D.C. Everything else was West Coast, Midwest, Texas. It was incredible. So I want to thank all of our global audience for listening in. We got the Oracle of Deplorables of John Frederick, but we got another Oracle. And this is the Oracle of Lawfare. This gentleman came on the show about three months ago and said, hey, people better start thinking about this. There, there is a major, major, major legal war that's going to take place to determine the President of the United States. He's been dead spot on on everything he said. It's Bill McGinley from Holtzman Vogel. What's most incredible, uh, Bill, and I had to have you, I had to ruin your Saturday to get you on here. Everything you've talked about in the week is like the next day it happens, right? So walk us through what's the latest because I don't think our audience is. We try to give you tomorrow's news today or tomorrow's news a week in advance. People don't understand, I think, quite yet how, what a firestorm on the legal side is going to be and how prepared the Democrats are. I think, even though we got some great guys compared to us, and no offense, we've got home court advantage here. Walk us through the latest of what's going on and what your kind of your your observations slash concerns are. So what we're beginning to see now that we're two days out and a wake up from Election Day is that um, any of these uh, the litigation and everything else to try and change the rules that the Democrats initiated with over 200 uh, close to 250 lawsuits. Um, to try and relax the rules, both in terms of mail-in ballots, absentee ballots, um, extending the deadline for returning the ballots, uh, signature mismatch, trying to do away with that uh, requirement, and some of the other um, issues that typically cause some absentee ballots um, to get disqualified from the from the pile for counting. Um, they've been very aggressive in that. They've done it across the nation, focusing particularly on the uh, on the battleground states. Um, they have scored some victories, but they've had some setbacks recently when these cases went to the Supreme Court. And as we discussed last time when I was on, we talked about kind of the different philosophies that the conservative wing, Justice Roberts, and then the liberal wing are taking on the Supreme Court 
in terms of the Kavanaugh opinion out of Wisconsin talking about, you know, it's the state legislators uh, that have the authority to change the, 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 the election laws and nobody else can. Federal courts, state courts, etc. cetera. Um, Kagan saying, hey, there's other constitutional interests at stake here, the right to vote, the right to be heard, uh, et cetera, uh, in connection with the election, staked out their place. Roberts kind of split the baby. Um, Robert said, I agree with you on the federal court side. Federal courts should not be changing these election laws. But when it comes to the state Supreme Courts, I'm going to give them deference and let them try and decide what their state law means and how it's constitutional to their state constitution. So what we're beginning to see now is we're almost getting uh, kind of late in the game where courts are going to start abstaining from doing any big um, opinions that are going to radically change the election laws. Um, they're going to take it up post-election. We saw that, uh, and I think it was the Minnesota decision where the circuit court said, hey, you guys had a rule in place, but what we're going to ask you to do is every ballot that's received after Election Day, you can accept them, but you need to segregate them so that we can try and figure this out uh, in any post-election litigation. Um, so I think we're going to start to see some more posture like that. The other thing that's starting to happen is, is that um, I think because this has been such a hard-fought legal battle between the the, the Trump campaign, RNC, uh, and the state parties versus the Democrats um, and all of the, the legal folks that they've set up. Holder comes out the other day and starts saying, hey, this is vote suppression. All of these lawsuits from the Republicans trying to enforce the laws on the books uh, pre-pandemic and some of the things that they're requesting, um, this is vote suppression. I think the campaign has to have a very forceful response to that and not let that just hang out there Absolutely. Uh, and let the mainstream media he, run he, with it. He's that. setting the predicate um, for the information. He's setting the predicate for the information war. Starting Tuesday, you're going to be bombarded nonstop. This is a voter suppression by the Republicans. He set the predicate and it went unchallenged, I believe. Did it not, Mr. William McGinley? I didn't see anybody from the campaign really come out on record. I think the RNC may have had a background call uh, to educate reporters. Um, but I think, you know, the campaign and the RNC can't let that stuff hang out there unanswered. That is something that they need to hit back immediately. Um, and it's no mystery what they're going to say. They're just playing a pretty well-worn playbook here. They've just adopted it for the pandemic. Um, I think the other thing that you're going to start seeing, if you remember earlier in the year, and we talked about this, Steve, the Democrats focus on the post office. Uh, remember when the House Democrats threw their arms up in the air and declared the post office was incompetent, um, they were basically neutering the whole agency. They're not going to be able to deliver the election mail. Um, they, they basically went for a full frontal assault on the, on the post office. Biden picks up the endorsement of the Postal Union um, to help feed the narrative. And now what we're seeing is um, this close to the election, some of the state's attorneys um, are beginning to say, okay, we're going to basically come down here and we're going to start searching the postal facilities looking for ballots. Last night something came out, and I'm looking for it right now. Um, the Miami-Dade state attorney is requesting all postal distribution centers be audited and that all ballots remaining in the centers be immediately transported to the Department of Elections. Miami-Dade, of course, is, is the county that contains uh, Miami, Florida, a major Democratic stronghold. Um, so, you know, just like in 2000, I think some of these uh, Democratic officials are going to start using the levers of power uh, to try and give us, uh, an advantage to Joe Biden. Republicans need to be ready to counter this uh, and get the attorneys ready to walk into court. Real quickly on two things. You, you teed up this thing with the post office. It's still a little unclear to me. They're walking in saying they need a full audit. You're saying they're doing this to set the legal predicate that they can actually go in and search for votes, correct? Correct. 
That's right, because there's a basic tenet in election law, right? Voter intent controls. All of the laws that, that, that the states pass in order to conduct the election um, is designed to make sure that every voter who casts a ballot, their intent uh, is what controls their vote. Um, and if you have a, a voter who, who fills out a ballot, follows the rules, throws it in the post office, uh, throws it in a mailbox, expecting it to be picked up and delivered to the election officials, has the proper postage and everything else, but the post office screws up, either loses the mail or just for whatever reason doesn't deliver it on time, the Democratic par Party, the, their attorneys are going to walk into court and say, hey, wait, you're disenfranchising voters through no fault of their own. Their, their ballot was not delivered. And so these votes have to be counted. You can't punish the voter for the incompetence of the third party uh, post office. And so that's the predicate they're laying, because if they find ballots in these postal facilities, they're going to use it as a predicate to start searching more. When do you think now with all the different ways they're going to count ballots and all the different, you know, three days after, nine days after on Tuesday evening, as you see it from Saturday morning for our audience, what should they start thinking about that's going to happen? Besides the vote starts coming in, you got Ohio, you know, these early 730. But as we get into the evening, 930, 10 o'clock on the legal side, what should people be looking for? The very first thing is going to be the lawsuits that will be filed to extend the polling hours, uh, either because machines are broken, workers didn't show up, or something else. They're going to say, hey, look, these people have got into line before uh, the polls were supposed to close. They've been waiting for two hours. You need to keep these polling places open so that they can vote. Judges are going to grant that relief. Um, I also think that you're going to start seeing uh, both parties are going to start going to the counting locations where the absentee ballots um, are going to be opened, the voters verified, and the ballots separated and put in the pile. You're going to start seeing both parties sending their watchers um, to those locations. If anybody decides to block them, you're going to start seeing lawsuits right away to ensure transparency for both sides of the aisle. Uh, there's the only way to have confidence in this election is if both parties, both political parties are present um, and they're able to observe the whole process. So those are the lawsuits. But, Steve, here's the thing. Uh, on election night, we're going to have an early tell as to whether we're going to start going into a more extended period. And that is as the returns for North Carolina, Florida, Georgia, Texas and Arizona come in. Those are all states that should be able to report their returns um, either late Tuesday night or early Wednesday morning, barring some sort of um, problem. President Trump sweeps those states, wins those states. We are in a great position where we could be going overtime in the Midwest battlegrounds of um, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota. And I also throw Iowa into the prior uh uh, pile. That's a state that should be able to report its returns Tuesday night, early Wednesday morning. Uh, last thing on on the poll watching. When 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 should our audience anticipate there's going to start being some lawsuits? Because you know they're doing they're getting ready right now with the plaintiffs. When when should they anticipate there's going to be lawsuits about the poll watchers? That the poll watchers are all there to suppress the vote. I think early Tuesday morning, as soon as they get an affidavit from a Democratic voter that says they were. Um, improperly prevented from voting or harassed at the polling station. And, and our audience should stand by for that. You think that's coming also? Uh, look, if they're going to follow their playbook, they're going to do it to try and juice their turnout the vote machine. On a scale from 1 to 10, 10 being insanely hot, 1 being ice cold, the intensity that uh, Elias, Bauer, Perkins Coy, and the Democratic lawfare operation 
has had so far is, is where do you put it on that scale? Nine. Bill McGinley, how do you how do you I put uh, it at a nine? How do you, how do you get it's not, when Bill McGinley says it? Just take it to the bank. It's a nine on a ten scale, ladies and gentlemen. This is lawfare, and trust me. The guys that don't ever discount, they're not smart, they're not tough, they're not aggressive, and they're coming. Bill, how do people get your, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, at WJ McGinley, that's at W-J-M-C-G-I-N-L-E-Y. Bill, thank you very much for joining us. One thing they don't have, they don't have Bill McGinley. Thank you, sir. Been, you've been absolutely brilliant in this. Really appreciate it. Okay, we're gonna uh, next. We're gonna talk about uh, Richard Barris is gonna be back. Uh, big data polling is gonna talk about the president's trip around the state day. We got the legendary Frank Andrews at the bottom of the hour is gonna join us. The Rush Limbaugh of Pennsylvania. We're also gonna have a special guest traveling on a bus right now. I think coming from a coming from uh, a training operation of poll watchers and people going door to door. So it is gonna be uh, absolutely incredible. Also, Jack Maxey's gonna have more. He and Noah Benjamin, they've got the receipts. Anything they can't get in the show, they're going to be putting up on the they're going to be putting up on the uh, on the site, right? This is where we got these guys of, you know, you're you're the worst nightmare of these guys. Major dump. And what's so frightening is there's more. We we've been going through this for days and days and in Hunter's little secret PDF file, every single thing is a crime. He is yeah. holding this over every single person he knew. So people start coming forward because he th- is you th- not on your you, side. You, you think he held all this uh, for a reason? Oh, uh, uh, 100%. There's no, a treasure chest. No, no, sure. no, 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 no chance that uh, th- this had a dead man switch on it. They were all put there by Hunter in a special file designed to betray everybody he it's ever hun- did crimes with. Because it's, it's, it's so mind boggling. Tom Winters at NBC News. We invite you to come over today. Hey, you can sit with Jack and Noah and sit with the team. We'll show you all the receipts, show you all the evidence. We're already handing out hey, thumb drives, so you on, may as well come get one come, too. Come on, brother. Come, come on, come on, come on over. Okay, we got all that. We got the receipts. Inviting NBC over to come over. Jake Tapper, CNN, K File. Come on down. Come on down. Have an afternoon, afternoon in the war room, going through the Biden family crime syndicate. Okay. It's all coming down to a national election. The United States of America, the most powerful country in the history of the world, will select its leader on Tuesday. The entire world is going to be watching. In fact, we're doing a broadcast Tuesday night live into China for the first time. You know why? This is the most important election in China in 5,000 years. The most important election in the history of this republic. Next, Pennsylvania and Richard Barris. War Room with Stephen K. Bannon. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Okay, the New York Post is now reporting. The New York Post is now reporting. A little hard out there, right there. Does it like that music kind of go down? New York Post is now reporting a second hard drive. Federal officials, authorities are now reporting a second hard drive has been seized in the Biden family. Uh, operation. Hunter Biden has had a laptop seized in February as part of a federal investigation, I think, by the the um, Drug Enforcement Agency. I think this was associated with the therapist Keith Ablo. I think it was up in Massachusetts. Was previously reported the post had just got updated. We're going to put it up on the thing as the as it starts to close in on the Biden family crime syndicate. Okay. What's so shocking and really disgusting and revolting, both of our government officials that knew about this, 
knew about the money transfers, knew about all this, because all the apparatus knows it. In the Democratic Party, the pillow fight of Focahontas and the pillow fight of Bernie Sanders, all of you people should be ashamed of yourselves. I don't hear any more of your whining about the uh, apparatus. I don't hear any more whining about the globalization. I don't hear any whining because all you are is whiners and thumbsuckers, okay? You allowed this to happen by not going after him, okay? You let him have a free pass. It's absolutely disgusting. It's revolting that the weekend before a a national election that we got to deal with this stuff that hasn't been done for years and years and years and years and years. So don't tell me what kind of populist you are, AOC. Don't tell me all this. You were out there cheerleading him on. Did you do any due diligence? Did you do any due diligence? You talk about Trump. Did you do any due diligence on Biden? Absolutely revolting. Now I want to go to people actually making it happen. Action, action, action. I think we've got, we're going to a training center. We got Liz Priet on the phone, uh, the, the daughter of Ernie, who was on yesterday, knows Pennsylvania better than anybody. Alexandra is our comms director and the person who uh, who makes this show happen by tying in all these great guests. So, Liz, where are you today? And uh, and do we have uh, do we have a group of people who are going to make it happen? People are going to make it happen. Sure do. Welcome, welcome to the war room. (laughs) We're getting a little frozen here, but we're in Bluebell, Pennsylvania, which is in Montgomery County. We've got 107 people that are also logged on via Zoom. I hope they can hear you as well. But we're getting ready. This is our training for our troops that are coming out on Tuesday. These are going to be. This is one of many training. Is it, Liz, is this going to be, is this the poll watchers or is this the get out the vote crowd? Poll watchers. Oh, we were just talking. This talk- is my executive. <laughs> we're just talking about, we're just talking about, you look like, a, you look like a pretty dangerous group. They're already saying how dangerous you guys are, how you're suppressing the vote. <laughs> All the lawsuits are going to. So, so, Liz, real, real quickly, when, when somebody comes to be a poll watcher, what are the two or three things that's absolutely essential that you teach them to make sure that they can, they can perform their duty and not have, you know, William Holder say that, uh, that Donald Trump's uh, minions, Donald Trump's barbarians, Donald Trump's deplorables are suppressing the vote? All of our watchers are being trained to go in. They're going to bring their chairs if they need to. They're going to sit as close to the scanners as legally permissible to watch, to speak up. They've been given a hotline. There's a whole host of lawyers in Philadelphia who are going to be monitoring, taking their calls. And we, of course, have lawyers in Philadelphia and, I mean, in Montgomery County who are going to go into the courthouse to get injunctions. We have our documents already prepared. We're ready. Walk me through the uh, the enthusiasm level in Montgomery County and the rest of Pennsylvania on a scale from one to ten. Wow. I can tell you, I've been in politics, Steve, for, for two decades, more than that, obviously, since my dad ran. But um, we've never seen anything like this, ever. We have over 2,000 poll watchers in Montgomery County alone. Wow. So, And that's something that's completely unheard of. 
we're really excited about it. We feel good about it. We got great coverage. All of our identified polls from the Trump campaign have watchers, official watchers inside. We're not, we don't have any holes as of right now. So we're excited. Listen, God bless you guys. You're, you're, you're the people that make it happen. Action, action, action. We love you. Uh, good success today in training. And let's have a big victory on Tuesday. Great job, guys. Thank you. That's it. Okay, we're going to turn now to Richard Barris. That's Liz Preet, and that's up at a training center in Montgomery County, which is one of the toughest counties for Republicans. This is what's so great about it. You got long odds down there in, in Montgomery County, right? You're fighting down in southeast Pennsylvania, but you got you got to represent those counties are so important to get every vote out of to make sure you can drive to victory up in the northeast and, the, and out in the west. And the west is what saved Trump last time, I'm telling you, the west of Pennsylvania and uh, in the northeast. Uh, I want to now bring in Richard Barris. Uh, Richard, so Richard, here's my question. We keep seeing around the country, but particularly around Pennsylvania, enthusiasm. And we had Jack Posobiec from One America on here earlier, who's a Pennsylvania guy. He said, look, his phone's blown up. He's got guys he hasn't heard from in 20 years saying, hey, can, is there any way you can get me to the rally? Is is this enthusiasm, does it really translate? Because the polls, he's eight down in Pennsylvania, he's 17 down in Wisconsin, yet you're sitting there looking. Joe Biden's got six guys in the nice, perfect circles, right? He's got He's got 15 circles and nine people show up. But you see, Trump's got 25,000 people on a tarmac. Does that actually translate into the into the reality because the polls look like they're they're you know I pick up today and he's seven down you know the mainstream media's got him seven down in Pennsylvania so what's the reality? Yeah, I, this is why they needed that mail-in vote. Uh, this kind of we call it a quasi-election. We've never seen anything like this before. In Pennsylvania, they don't like to uh, vote early, even this time around. They're lagging other states. So in Pennsylvania, if you just look at extremely enthusiastic voters, Trump has an eight-point lead with voters who say they're just extremely enthusiastic. At this point, I'm not surprised they have them down by seven. Uh, we saw this before. It's getting increasingly difficult. It really is. But they have no uh, incentive to correct themselves. We have Pennsylvania right there, right there for the president. Uh, hold, hold, hang, on, hang, on, hang on, hang on, Richard. But they have every incentive in that they have the credibility. You're saying since they weren't hit in yeah. 16 from blowing it and in 18. Remember, people got to remember in 18, the night before the election, the mainstream media polls for both Scott and DeSantis, they were down seven, I think, in, in, in kind of the, uh, the RCP <laughs> averages. And they both won. So is is you're saying they have no penalty for lacking credibility and these are all just suppression polls? I I really I can't explain it any other way. I don't know what else to say anymore. I mean, I have spoken with the pollster at the New York Times on Twitter. We go back and forth. I showed him what he did wrong in Florida. I in a it, region and education, region and education. If you have independents, MPAs going for uh, Andrew Gillum by 20 points, and then come election day, you you missed that by more than half, and it was way less than you thought. You have to take a look at what you're doing to to identify which voters you spoke with, which voters you missed, and what happened there. So they had anywhere from a five to seven point win for Gillum. They are not alone. NBC Maris, they had McCaskill holding on to her seat. She got thumped by Josh Howley. We just didn't have this discussion. Fox News, Donnelly plus seven had that work out. He's no longer the senator from Indiana. And we just kept, you know, just going, just trucking along, Charlie Mike. And as if nothing was going to, uh, as if nothing was going to happen this time around. And, you know, I see some really 
uncomfortable stuff on Twitter right now from people in the mainstream media. If Trump wins, the fix was in, maybe you were just wrong. I'm looking at Pennsylvania right now. In Lackawanna last night, he took about a four-point lead. That's, that's not good. For, for Joe Biden. Hold, 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 hold it. Your, your, your current polling, you're saying that you've got a Trump with a four-point lead in Lackawanna County? We do. And it's been going back and forth for about three weeks now. Joe Biden takes a couple of points. You know, he lost Lackawanna just by a little bit. That's the last Democratic stronghold in the, in, in the Northeast. That's no, why we, it's important. We, 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 won Pennsylvania, we won Pennsylvania and lost Lackawanna. I mean, Okay, here's what I got to ask you. Why are you you are telling our audience right now that you think this is a dead heat in Pennsylvania? He's not down by five. He's not down by seven. But saying, "Hey, this is a dead heat." No, he is not down by seven points, five points, in Pennsylvania. He is not on election day. Um, I, I think the president will be leading on election day, and it's just a matter of how much they can cut into that as as the days roll on. Uh, the in the end, there's every, oh, hold on. You're, you're talking about the mail. You're talking about the mail-in vote, right? That the mail. He'll be leading on game day vote, but the mail-in vote as it yeah. comes in may cut into that. Yeah, I do, and I think the the break in that won't be as big in Pennsylvania though, because they're not voting at the rates we're seeing in other states and everywhere. Pennsylvania is no exception, but it's not good enough. The lead that Biden has right now, the media is inflating it with that early, that early vote. He needs people to come out on game day. And that is where that enthusiasm comes in. I, I'm almost convinced that without this, these changes, these statewide changes, I don't really think Biden had much of a chance. Um, people have to go out. They have to want to go out. And there's a group, we identify them as less than 50% likely, but more than 30. And it, they can show up. Biden needs that vote to go out on, in Pennsylvania on Election Day or he's he's going to lose his state. Richard, we're going to have you back. We're working with you. Try to have you back on Monday also. Just amazing. And we want to make an announcement on Monday about Richard's involvement on Tuesday. One of the smartest guys out there, he and Susquehanna, we want to take it to the bank. These are the two guys that I think are serious about looking at the data. Richard Barris, big data polling. We're going to get all the links up there. We're going to tweet out his uh, segment here. Richard, thank you so much for taking time away on a Saturday to join us. All the best. You heard it from Richard Barris. Pennsylvania is in play. That's why Donald J. Trump, the 45th president of the United States, is spending the day in Pennsylvania. We're going to have a legend, the Rush Limbaugh of Pennsylvania, Frank Adams. Frank Andrews next. Frank Andrews joins us next. Stephen K. Bannon. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Okay, welcome back on the John Frederick Radio Network. We're also uh, on podcast uh, now with 17 million downloads on uh, Dish Channel on cable on Dish Channel 219 and Comcast Channel 113 in Chicago. That's Real America's Voice, the streaming platform of the Trump Revolution. Also, Newsmax TV now in 70 million homes. Chris Reddy and the team down in Palm Beach. G News GTV, subtitled in Mandarin, immediately following the broadcast, also live on one of the channels throughout the world, blown through diaspora for the diaspora, the Chinese people, and also into mainland China through the VPNs. What gets us every day, tens of millions of viewers. Also on Facebook, YouTube, all of it. So you can go anywhere ubiquitous, all free. 
Offrey. We're now honored. We've been in the second part of this. We're doing the Biden crime family syndicate with the details from Jack Maxey, Noah Benjamin, and the hard drive from hell. Also had uh, Matthew Tierman, the guys from Creative Destruction Media on about this new roadshow, the whole analysis they've got of what the Biden family has been doing for years. And the monetization of access to Joe Biden with the, the greatest enemies of the country. In fact, the existential threat to the United States, which is the Chinese Communist Party. This uh, hour we've been doing Pennsylvania. It's going to come down to the Keystone State. We've talked to volunteers that are going to be poll watchers. We've talked to the pollster, the great pollster at Big Data Polling, uh, Richard Barris, who's done a detailed analysis of this. He says it's a dead heat right now. That's why the president of the United States is spending, is spending the entire day in Pennsylvania. Now honored, we had Ernie Preet the other day that knows the state, but now honored to have really the Rush Limba of Pennsylvania, a legendary broadcaster, Frank Andrews from WILK up in Wilkesbury, Scranton in the Northeast. Is the theory of the case is it's going to come down to the Keystone State. It's going to come down to the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. And in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, it's going to come down to Northeast Pennsylvania. Working class, blue collar Catholics, working class and middle class folks up there, and some of those decent, hardworking people in the United States. So, Frank, we're going to follow you with the head of the Catholic vote because now they're in Politico saying, hey, what's going to change all this is Biden's really cut into Trump's Catholic support. But I want to ask you, you're legendary throughout the entire state, but you, you kind of anchor up there in the Northeast. Right now, and I'm not asking you to pick it, where is the mindset of the people in the Northeast? When they look at this election and they compare and contrast four years of Donald Trump with Biden's record and where Biden wants to go, where, how do you think they're comparing this? Well, I, I, Steve, it's, first of all, it's great to be on your program. I think people are looking at this and saying the future of the country is at stake, and, and I mean that sincerely. They're looking at the violence. They're looking at the extreme abortion. They're looking at, you know, uh, the religious freedom, the Second Amendment, and they're saying, wait a minute, this is not just an election. This is the future. This is the future of America. And, and the people are deeply committed to this, uh, this election like I've never seen before. Let me ask you, describe the people up in the Northeast, because they're going to have such a central role. In fact, we're broadcasting on Tuesday night into China, right? We say it's the most important election in China in 5,000 years, so they're going to get to know certain segments of the country very well. Tell our audience, what is Northeast Pennsylvania like, and what are the folks like? Northeastern Pennsylvania is is conservative, uh, primarily conservative. They're, they're, they're family you know, their truth, their justice, the American way, their patriots. Um, I mean, you know, what did, what did Obama say, that we cling to our guns and our, our Bible? That's, that's not far-fetched. This, this, you know, this is hunting area. This is people who respect the Second Amendment. This is people who go to church. This is people who cherish family. I mean, you know, th- this is, you know, I, I don't know how to describe it. It is a traditional, conservative, patriotic community. When you think of that, and you particularly see, look, I come from an Irish Catholic working class Democratic family. I mean, we're Kennedy Democrats. Um, and, but we all, you know, at least 60% of the family, I would say, extended are Trump supporters. The other 40% are, are still, you know, union Democrats that support the Democratic Party. But when you describe the people up there, how can a guy like Joe Biden, with his policies and the people around him and what he purports to want to do, particularly in things like, uh, getting rid of the oil industry and 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 stopping uh, uh, the shale energy business. How is someone like Biden even competitive in an area you just described as culturally very conservative, and people that have a very conservative, hardworking outlook on life? 
Well, see, people, you know, at one time this area was coal country, and anthracite, you know, made this place boom. And now people are saying fracking has done the same thing. We, you know, we have had an economic rebound. So, I mean, you know, fracking and his, his call to end fracking and the flip-flop on fracking has been a really, really big issue here. People are looking at that. But I want to tell you something else. You know, he always talks about Scranton. He spent a couple of years growing up in Scranton. And, you know, there's even a billboard along the interstate here that says, we need a guy from Pennsylvania like Joe Biden in the White House. People scratch their head and go, wait a minute, he's from Delaware. He says he's from Scranton, but in 47 years, they weren't throwing gold bricks at Scranton and Lackawanna County. So, you know, they're, they're saying, well, what does that really mean? If, if you say you're from Scranton, what did we benefit? And we really didn't here in northeastern Pennsylvania. It's been a struggle. As people start to focus on Tuesday and, and, and start to see these numbers come together, what should, what should be the tells? What would you tell our audience to look for as the reporting starts to come in from northeast Pennsylvania? What should they look for to determine whether it's going to go in the direction of Donald Trump or if it's going to go in the direction of Joe Biden? Well, you, you were on Fox and you said Pennsylvania is, uh, you know, the key and the key to unlock Pennsylvania is the northeast. You know, they're going to see numbers coming in from Philadelphia and Pittsburgh and, you know, the big cities. And, you know, uh, we, we don't expect those numbers to kind of be in our favor. But the numbers that are going to come in from northeastern Pennsylvania, from Bradford County up by the New York border, all the way over to Mon- Monroe County by New Jersey, all the way down to Montour County and Schuylkill County by Harrisburg, those are going to be solid Trump numbers. And I think that's what's going to turn it. But I, I, I got to tell you, Steve, the key to Luzerne County and Luzerne County is absolutely in play. The, the, the president won Luzerne County in 2016, and he's going to win it. But here's the key to Luzerne County, and that is the infamous rain tax, the stormwater fee. I talked to you about that when you were on my yep. program several months ago. Yep. I had Ronnie McDaniel on. I had Kaylee McEnany. I had Corey Lewandowski. I had... Uh, you know, just about everybody on my program and said, don't forget to tell the president he's got to end the rain tax. If he does that, he will lock up 90,000 votes in Luzerne County. What is, real quickly, what is the rain tax, the runoff tax? Okay. In, uh, in 2009, President Obama uh, issued an executive order, and basically what he said was he wanted to restore efforts to clean up the Chesapeake Bay by controlling pollution into the Susquehanna River. Yep. Okay, he created a federal leadership uh, committee to kind of put that together. As a result of that, the EPA put out all kinds of recommendations on how to manage the total maximum daily load of nitrogen and phosphorus. And, and, and the state DEP went crazy, you know, telling all the little communities, you've got to do something to control your stormwater runoff into the Susquehanna River. Now, there's not one single person that is opposed to a clean Chesapeake Bay and a clean Susquehanna River. But what has happened is they have taken this executive order and they have turned it into a stormwater fee where you have government entities here called authorities, which are not subject to the Auditor General, which are not subject to the Public Utility Commission, and they have done aerial photography of impervious zones, which are areas where the the rainwater doesn't soak into the ground. Everything from a wheelchair ramp to a uh, you know to a, a cemetery where you have plots, and they they charge people for these impervious zones, and people are going crazy saying, "Wait a minute! In in the midst of this pandemic, you want me to clean the Chesapeake Bay, and there's been no break. There's been no break at all. One of the authorities is now threatening to put liens on people's homes if they didn't pay this." And so the, the, the guy that's been fighting for us the most is Congressman Dan Muser from the yep. 9th District. 
and he has been talking to the president, and he put out a request. Mr. President, rescinding the executive order would have the effect of removing any claim justification by a state of a supposed federal mandate. Then the Luzerne County Council sent a unanimously voted on letter to get rid of this rain tax. And people are saying this is much more than just the rain tax. This is an entire community that has joined forces and said we will not quit until we win this battle. And they know this is what the president does. He hates these crazy government regulations that are hurting people. Frank, amazing. We'll make sure that they get the access to that. That is, uh, once again, it's like you see, you see him get up there and give that environmental speech about the, the, about the, the flushing and, the, and, the, and, and what's coming out of your shower, everything. So we'll make sure he gets that. Frank, how can people do you have? Do you have Steve, just one, yeah, one point. Sure. One point. They're asking us to clean up the Susquehanna and the Wyoming Valley, but they dump hundreds of millions of gallons of untreated waste in Binghamton into the same river. And then if, even if they did it, it cleaned up the Wyoming Valley, when it gets down to Harrisburg, they dump raw sewage into the river there. So it makes no sense. Frank, how do people get access? You have a Twitter feed? You have a, a website besides the, uh, besides the show? Yeah, WILKnewsradio.com, Facebook, and our website. And there is a group that has been organized called TaxpayerPower.com. And they have every bit of information there on fighting the rain tax. There's a huge rally tomorrow starting at 11 o'clock at the Wyoming Valley Mall and going through all of Lackawanna, Luzerne County, uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of cars, and people chipped in and got a plane so that it's going to carry a banner and the rain tax so people know this is a big priority. Frank uh, Andrews, thank you very much. appreciate you taking time away from Saturday to tell us what's going on in Pennsylvania, northeast Pennsylvania, as we come down to the uh, to Decision Day. Thank you, sir. My pleasure. Thank you, Steve. I want to turn now to uh, Brian Birch. He's the head of Catholic Vote. We've had him on here a number of times. He's got a better feel for what's going on with people that are in the Catholic Church that are uh, going to vote. Uh, Brian, pretty shocking, uh, pretty shocking uh, story in Politico today. It's one of the lead stories saying that if this thing comes down to a defeat, it may be, for Donald Trump, it may be because of the strong Catholic support for Trump in the past may have been uh, eaten into by Joe Biden. What say you? Well, I think this is a warning sign. Catholics out there that are paying attention understand that Joe Biden has made a overt and, and concerted effort to try to confuse Catholics about how he's going to represent them and what they, what they value, and, and we got to do our job. We are seeing a, a huge surge among working-class Catholics. Uh, you know, we used to break down, and we typically break it down by Catholics who go to church and Catholics that don't. Increasingly, a lot of church-attending Catholics uh, are looking, uh, are liking Joe Biden, but the interesting thing, Steve, it's affluent church-attending Catholics. Uh, the working-class uh, Catholics and, and, and even Catholics that don't go to church very often that are working-class people, they find appeal in Donald Trump. And so the message can't simply be... Um, uh, on the social issues, it has to be on the big picture here. And I think this is uh, where we as Catholics uh, n- need to understand that it's not just a typical election about, say, abortion and judges and religious liberty. Those are critical. Those are foundational. But it's the big picture. It's about the country itself, whether our very life as Americans, as Catholic Americans, is going to survive. By the way, Wisconsin, uh, the he- most heavily Catholic, I think, state in the union, 30 percent of the voters are Catholic in Pennsylvania particularly northeast Pennsylvania and western Pennsylvania, heavily, heavily Catholic uh, parts of the country. Uh, what are you specifically doing in those two parts of the country? you got about 30 seconds. 
Well, we've got people on the ground. We have parish-to-parish contact programs. We're contacting every single Catholic in these parishes and making sure they're getting out to vote. Uh, We're asking every Catholic this weekend, pick 10 friends, 10, that's all it takes. Make sure you get all 10 of those people to the polls. Text them, call them. They need a nudge from you. A lot of these Catholics don't vote regularly, and they need an extra nudge. Uh, how to get access to Brian for people who either want to donate or help out? You got a you got a website? Got a Twitter handle? Absolutely, CatholicVote.org. On Twitter, obviously Facebook, Catholic Vote. You can sign up uh, to volunteer to start making calls in these states. No matter where you live across the country, we'll we'll give you a list of Catholics in these swing states to make contact with. Brian, you're an American patriot. Thank you very much, Brian Birch from Catholic Vote. It's going to come down, I'm telling you, every vote block by block is going to be important. We're going to turn with Noah Benjamin, Jack Maxey, in the war room on the hard drive from hell. You're breaking some big news here. War Room with Stephen K. Bannon. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. I actually wanted to keep Brian Birch over for a few minutes. I had some more questions asking about the Catholic vote. We'll try to get to Brian on Monday. And the reason I didn't want to do it, I didn't want to taint him. I didn't want to taint Catholic vote in the great work they do. They're traditionalist, hardworking Catholics. With the news scoop that we got a break, this is another thing from the hard drive from hell. Jack Maxey, Noah Benjamin, the entire team in the war room. Another one, Jack. Um, what do you got? What's going up? Well, I mean, it's just one hit after another. And I know that we've got a lot of veterans out there. We just posted it on our Twitter feed, and everybody should look at it. At War Room Pandemic, we're going to devote the rest of the weekend to just documents, no retweets, just you can dig down in. I want everyone to share it. But as a Navy veteran, Steve is a, a veteran. This guy is wearing a Navy veteran hat while FaceTiming with some woman who is smoking drugs and is half naked. And this is the kind of guy that is going to be, you know, close to the seat of power if we ever let Joe Biden come back to Washington in any other way than in cuffs. This is what's so outrageous about this. Joe Biden to- totally gun decked to get his son in at an advanced age into being a, a public affairs officer. You could tell how angry the Navy was. They drug tested this punk the very first time he stepped on, uh, I think, Norfolk Naval Station. They drug tested him. And a uh, surprise, surprise. He flunked the drug test immediately, of course, because he's a junkie, he's a drug addict. Um, and, of course, he lied about it. He said he thought he smoked, he bummed some cigarettes off some guys that might have been cocaine-laced, right? Nothing happened. Honorable discharge. Honorable discharge. You know, normally this happens and they drop the hammer on you because you, you influence the young enlisted people. I think he got an administrative discharge, just to be clear. Administrative discharge, not a dishonorable. But he should have gotten a dishonorable discharge. And again, the reason they didn't do that, who, who was the uh, commander-in-chief? Well, this is, Biden gun ducked the thing in as VP. Let's go. What else you got? Uh, we got about a minute or two. Tell us what else people should look for today on the Twitter feed. What are you and Noah Dumping today, more financial crimes, or more? Are we in the C block with the compromise, or in the D block of the debauchery? Because I can tell you, I know the war room audience they're going to want more C block. Yeah, maybe okay, maybe D block. Now listen, I think it's really important that people start looking at the real risk. Hunter is a drug addict. He's got a lot of mental issues. No but a lot question. of people are drug addicted. We're not picking. Right. On, we're, we're not, not picking we're not on saying people a, we're not for, for an illness. But there are also a lot of people who have had drug issues who are not abusers of children, who are not thoroughly depraved. 
He has and issues, have not sold out their country. And have not sold out their country. To he the, has and your issues. words to the CCP's spy chief. Hey, just saying, you got to. It's your signed engagement letter. It's your million dollar. And interestingly, it's going to come out over the weekend in the documents. Uncle Jimmy used to uh, likes to get little contracts as the attorney for some of the grimmest human beings on planet Earth, too. And also, in one of those cases, I think you put your wife on as the attorney, didn't you, James? Get ready. It's going to be a bad weekend, brother. He's going to hide in that house down in that big that big mansion that the, the Fox One Lone Fox guy is yelling questions at him. He can't wait to run back in. We're going to make Jack Maxey. Jack Maxey is going to be co-anchoring on uh, on Tuesday night. We're making Jack take a nap this afternoon. He's getting a little ornery. <laughs> this is what happens. Four days of no sleep, and he's got that he's got that chewing tobacco. Well, I got the Copenhagen and the coffee going strong, and I've been saying one Hail Mary after another to try and save my soul from this thank glimpse God. of so much darkness. Thank God the church, the church, what's the church in, in Dallas? What's your church? Gateway Church. The Gateway Church. We want to thank the pastor and all everybody down at the Gateway Church in Dallas. <laughs> if it hadn't been for Noah Benjamin, Jack Matthews, would have blown, his head had blown up. At least we had Noah here as kind of the anchor. They've been doing a well, tremendous It's like job. I know what to look for, but Noah knows how to find it, and he found Hunter's secret file that is going to put <laughs> no, the leadership no. of the Democratic Party and his father into jail. But no, it also it just it's grounded you. Otherwise, you would have got your you would have imploded here. Just the, the 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 all the madness you've been seeing in this thing. Okay, we got a lot of special stuff happening. We're we'll back on uh, on uh, Monday at 10 a.m. A lot more we're going to be breaking. Go to the Twitter feed. Go to the website. Go to um, you know hashtag War on Pandemic. We're going to have a lot more on Monday morning. In addition. At 7 o'clock on Tuesday night for, I don't know, eight hours or so on from the most stunning view in the nation's capital overlooking the capital. We're going to have with G News and GTV a global uh, broadcast. We're going to have Raheem Kassam, Jack Maxey, myself, Luda, a whole team of uh, from G News and GTV will be there. Also, we're going to have a, a bunch of surprises as far as analysts. Uh, we're going to have our own polling, look at polling data, and I can guarantee you we're going to look at this from the populist national, the anti-Tom Friedman broadcast, right? So um, we, you, there's so many other great sites around there. We want you to look at all of them, but hopefully you'll come by and look at us. We promise you that it's going to be uh, – we're going to give you the insights we give in the war room uh, with our partners, G News and GTV. And here's what's beautiful about it. They're going to simulcast this in Mandarin, blow it through the firewall. This is the most important election in China in 5,000 years. Most important election in our country since the beginning of the republic. So it's all going to come down to basically a historic night on uh, on Tuesday, and we hope you join us. We'll be back at 10 o'clock uh, in the morning. Make sure you're checking everybody's Twitter feed. There's going to be so much action this weekend nonstop. So make sure you dial in. want to leave you now with the fight, the fight, from, fight for Hong Kong. Uh, Miles Guo and is wearing his second hat as a, uh, as a rapper. Here we go. I love this song, by the way.